Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Pastor Greg's lesson today is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, titled, Example Yourself, Part 1. We think about higher ground and we, we want to be on that higher ground. And many times in the, in the process, what happens is uh, God leads us there, but He doesn't like provide an elevator to that higher ground. He doesn't provide an escalator. The higher ground is a journey that we have to walk on. i got to sign in here. It, it clicked out, Joey, so it may, may not be all right on the screens for a second. There we go. All right. So as we move toward that higher ground, we understand that it's, it's a process, that God is leading, God is moving us, but at the same time, we have to, have to put the footwork to it. We have to actually put one foot in front of the other and follow Him if we're going to get to the higher ground, to the place where we need to be. Well, this morning's sermon comes out of a, uh, uh, a ser- sermon series that I've been doing out at Laguna Heights. If you don't know, we have a mission out in Laguna Heights, and every Sunday night, Pastor Bill preaches there, except when he's here teaching, and then I fill in for him. So during those periods of time, I pick a book or a topic or a study, and I be- get to preach and teach out there. So the way it all worked out with his Israel trip was that, um, you know, I'm working through the book of First Timothy, uh, and the, that pastoral epistle where Paul's writing a letter to young, young preacher Timothy, who's about probably about 40 years old, young, uh, at least young in the ministry, you know, it, 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 if, uh, if you know what I mean, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I know, I know how dumb I felt at, at 40, and I started my ministry at 22, and it's like, why anybody would have me as a pastor at that point? You look back and you wonder, but you see God's grace in that. So you see, you see the process, uh, we, we have seen the process in First Timothy where, where he's going through this, the process of teaching Timothy the things of the church. And he lands in chapter 4 where he, where he starts challenging Timothy to, to be a good example to the people. And so the title of the message this morning is Example Yourself. It doesn't make any sense, but that's just the title I came up with. It's different than just normal stuff you could put on the screen. So example yourself. And, and how does that work? Well, let's look at the passage first. The full passage we're going to look at is verses, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. If you have your Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And then we're going to highlight just a few of those verses. Uh, we don't have time to get through any anywhere close to all those passages, but we're going to look at some, some highlights that will take us on that journey, hopefully to a higher ground today in one specific area of our lives. That's my hope and prayer. Would you pray with me as we, before we read God's Word? God, we pray that your reading of your Word will come alive and touch every heart, and Lord, it will not come back empty, and we claim that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 through 16, it reads this way. He says to Timothy, Paul says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And those are the things we're going to break down uh, starting today, and then next, next Sunday sermon we'll finish the, those, those five things up. And then he says, verse 13, Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so Paul 
gives it gives gives to Timothy this these directions. But as we know, the way the scriptures work, the principles that that guide that guide pastors also guides everyone else. It's not like we have a special uh, with, with, with the exception of the, the pastoral calling and some of the pastoral duties. Everything in the scriptures applies to all of us. There's there's no like, oh, pastors are supposed to be at this level and deacons at this level and everybody else can just stay here. No, we're all supposed to be climbing toward the things of God to be more Christ-like. So let's, I'm going to put on the screens the, the verses that we're going to going to tear apart here for a minute before we get into the actionable um, actionable material there in verse uh, verse 14. So here we look and we see that in verse 12 he says to set an example. So exactly what does that mean, an example? Um, and in the, in the Greek, as I, as I looked into it a little bit, it, it, it compares it to two different things. It compares it to a to a a jig you know you guys know what a jig is a jig is so so like well mike Ryder, here's mike over here he he built the frame for for these acoustical tiles that are on this on the sidewalls and up here and he told me he had he said oh it was real easy because i just made a jig for where the drill holes went right you did tell me that right am i making that up you don't remember saying I remember him saying that. And maybe it was in a dream. The look on his face, maybe he didn't say that. But but he said he said it was real easy because once you got the first measurement, you, you just put put the things up there and then you know right where to drill because it guides you. It guides you. And that may not make sense to you. But um any, anyway, that's the example. You get to bump up against something and then measure yourself against it. So that's that's what being an example is. So we're we're supposed to be the example, the things that people bump up against, and then they measure according to that. Another good example of of a pattern would be um, would be a McCall's. anybody? If I say the word McCall's, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody? McCall's pattern that you used to be able to go to any store and it would be racks and racks of them. And you pull them out and it's these little thin whim, whimsical paper things that tear way too easy and then you pin them to a piece of material and that's the pattern for you to cut out and then then you can make the dress it's supposed to look like the picture on on the front of that and so just for fun and because it's close to halloween i brought kim used to sew it at one time when she she was a stay-at-home mom and she she got a pattern for a couple of 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 halloween costumes in here i'm just going to put them up there for you so so there she is in it and her little crayon it and and she did she didn't make that up on her own but she took a pattern and she she cut those little things out glued them onto pieces of felt and there's our our oldest daughter Krista and Kim up just a few years back and then there uh, there's a second one just for fun that that she made for both of our daughters the little pumpkin outfits and again it's it's not like you know they they tell you what size to do and 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 so she took the example and she turned it into something that turned off really cool and uh, and they wore those outfits until they were just sick of. Do we have to wear those again? Well, you know what? They're here, and you can make something else else up, or you could use these. So so the example we're to set is 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 that we are supposed to be that pattern. We say my life is not a perfect pattern, but somewhat of a pattern for other people to follow and model model their life out after. Ultimately, we know we are not the pattern. But we pattern our life after Jesus. But then God tells us that we are supposed to be that pattern for other people. 
And so we, 1 Timothy 4.12, 4, again, says we're to set that example. And it tells us where that example is aimed at. Now, it's our job just to be the example. But God says, here's what's going to happen with the good example that you set. When you follow me, when you continue to grow in me, here's what I'm going to do with your Christ-likeness. I'm going I'm to let that example affect the believers. We affect one another. It, it's not like if, if, if everything here comes from, from the pulpit area down like this and that's the only affecting that's going on and only exampling that's going on in the church, we're not a good church. It's, it's, it's as much, if not more, of this. Good doctrine, good teaching from up here, good, great Sunday school teachers, good sound doctrine. But then one another, we are affecting one another by saying, here's my struggle, here's my success. We move forward and we're examples to one another, to the believers, in verse 12 it says. And then in verse 15 it also says, we're an example to everyone. Everyone can see your progress. Your progress is on display for everyone to see. And that means if you're having great progress, guess what? It's on display for everyone to see. And if you're kind of slow, your progress is still on display. You know, and, you, and all of us are like that, right? We've, we have those times when we're doing well and times we're not doing so well. But our progress is on display. And our progress is toward perfection but God doesn't require perfection for us to be used in the lives of other people. Now, I'm talking about believers here, right? You know, if you're not a believer, your, your biggest problem and your, your biggest thing to do is not, is not to, to change anything in your life except that you need to believe in Jesus and know Him as Savior. So we be careful we separate those two. But we are making progress towards perfection. We'll never quite get there, and that's why we need Jesus, because we can't get there. So he says that accept the example to believers and to everyone. And our progress is on display. And then Jesus says this. He, he weighs in on, on the same idea in Matthew chapter 5. He says, neither do people put a light, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to who? Everyone. Everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. They're going to see that you're different, and they're going to praise God. They're going to go, something's different about him, something's different about her. And Jesus said, this is by design. We live our lives in front of people, and your light that he speaks of is being Christ-like. It's not like you have this power to, like, like there's something good inside of you, and you're going to wave a fan and make that goodness come out. No, it's the goodness of God that lives in your life. That's the light we let shine. You say, man, God's good. He's changing me. I'm not quite here in every area, but I'm moving forward. And the Spirit of God lives in every believer. He makes that promise. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you believe, the Spirit of God lives in you, and He is helping you climb that hill to higher ground. So our lives, good and bad, are, are on display. And we have this external encouragement from both Paul and and, uh, and Jesus, and of course God through the power of His Word, that we are supposed to be examples to the people, examples to the lost, examples to the saved. But if it's just external, well, i got to do it because, because the Bible says it, then we're missing something. There also should be, along with this external encouragement, there needs to be an internal motivation. It's not just because 
because somebody let the walls close in on my life, and I guess I have to do this. But as we look back to our salvation, as we look back to the way we have grown, and never in a straight line, always a zigzaggy line, our spiritual journey, we look back in thankfulness and our desire to please God and, and our Matthew 28, uh, the Great Commission, make disciples, our desire to help others go. We have this in, in, internal motivation that causes us to, to want to move forward and be a good example. Now, now obviously, the, the best reason to want to do what's right is because it pleases God. I mean, that's really number one. But God's well, well aware of how messed up we are. And how much help we need. And so if you can't do what's right just because of the love of God, then you can do it because somebody's watching you, and that helps. Again, it's, I mean, that's not the purest form, but it, I tell you what, it, it's part of God's design. It's in the Word. That's who, who we are supposed to be. And if the desire to be an example to other people doesn't come from your salvation and your growth and what God's doing in your life, you need to check yourself because it's likely based on some kind of works theology if i'm good enough then god will love me better if i'm good enough god i can get into heaven and it's just simply not true we do it to honor god because he's been so good to us and it could be because we do it because of pride we want people to look at us we want people to recognize us we want people to pump us up and make us feel good you know we want to put a put our our life on display so we get likes and clicks and that's a wrong motivation that's self-motivation. So that's not where we go. So pride and desire to be rec- recognized are not, not the motivations that we need to tap into, but the motivation that, uh, that God is so, so good to us. And so we are examples. And there's a couple things that, that, that Paul tells Timothy and therefore tells us how to, how to regulate that. In verse 16 it says, watch your life. Watch your doctrine, which is your teaching, and your life. Your, all of your life and the things that you teach and the things that you believe, you've got to watch them. And it's not a spectator sport here. It's not watch them like, hey, take a look. Cool. It's like watch them, regulate them, modify them. So watch your life. Watch what you teach. Watch who you are. In verse 15, it says, it tells us that they see. We watch. They see. They see your progress. And then verse 16, what does that do? That points to salvation. If you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Why? Because you're pointing to Jesus. When they see your life, it gives you opportunity to point to Jesus. And everything in our lives needs to come back and point to Jesus. Am I right? It does. It does. And so we point to salvation. And we are the example to the people. So the, the, the big overarching question in general and you, if you know me, you know I don't like these general questions, but here's one for you anyway. How are you doing as being an example? Well, okay, depending on which area of, your, of my life you're talking about, right? And this one pretty good, and this one not so bad. But then a second question, which is where I'm leading to, is who from your past was your spiritual example? So before we, as we move into saying we're going to be examples, we can look back and say someone was that pattern for us. Someone was that jig for us that said, smash up against this, and, 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 they're, and they're not bragging. They just have a, such an example of life. You're going to go, I want to be like that person in this area. And here's how, how it works in reality is that, that, that all of us are, are, are not great at everything. But we can look at one person and say, I want to be like that person and how joyful they are. 
And I want to be like that person in how giving they are. And I want to be like that person in how caring they are. We all have different spiritual gifts that's going to shine above everybody else. And that's why we need each other. But who from your past was your spiritual example? I'm going to just give you a couple examples of names. They won't mean anything to you. But I look back and, I, and, and the list, as I think about it, it just grows and grows and grows. The people who influenced my life. And sometimes in very direct ways in conversations and teaching. And other times just because... They were there, and they were always there, and they were always kind, and they were always had shared a smile. So, you know, I think about my youth pastor who was, who was instrumental in, 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 in my growth, and that, that may seem kind of obvious, like, well, yeah, it should be. And then I think about a guy named Dale who was my Sunday school teacher in high school and my accounting teacher in, at, at the real high school. So he, he taught me both, so I got him from two ends there, and he was just... You know, he was just a nice guy. He loved Jesus. He had a smile. He cared about people. I don't remember a thing that any of these people actually taught me. Oh, I remember that one moment when he said this advice. And and I have some of those moments in my life. But most of them, it's just they were there. They were serving God. They were trying their best. I think about Violet Hanks, who, who was the pianist at our church, and she showed up every week, and she played that piano. And I took piano lessons from her for a little bit, but she was way too good, and I was not good enough. And so I didn't want to practice, and so that's my personal interaction with her. But other than that, she just showed up, and she's a meaningful pillar in my life, an example. Over on the organ was, was Mrs. Tipton, Fran Tip, Tipton, and, and we knew her kids, and we hung out a little bit, but I, all I knew her was this, this rock-solid person that was always there, loved people. Don't know any more about her, but they were people that collectively helped me to see what a believer should be. And then there was another guy I sang next to the first time I ever heard harmonies. And I sang, sat next to Doug in in youth choir and it's like he became an example in in music and and he had a great spirit about him and then there was mr zimmerman mr zimmerman who was just 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 the guy just the guy that helped out he didn't do anything particular but let me tell you about mr zimmerman a story about mr z he uh we we went on a we went on a float trip to the current and jack forks river which is which is a great place in Missouri, and he'd driven the bus for three or four hours or something like that, and unpacked stuff, and he worked like crazy, and he and he did this kind of stuff all the time, and he sat down in a lawn chair, and was taking his due rest, you know, God bless, God bless him for all he did, and a couple of our other youth, and fortunately I was not involved in this particular incident, my brother being one of them. So, Gary, if you ever watch, here you go. This I'm blaming this on you. They snuck up behind him, and they had a little pack of ladyfinger firecrackers. And it's funny, but it's not. <laughs> and they lit those firecrackers off, and they went off, and then he went off. <laughs> and he said just a few words that... Mr. Zimmerman normally didn't say. And uh, and during that moment, my opinion of Mr. Zimmerman did not change. He he, he had a he had a moment when some old language came back out, and he was immediately sorry for it. But 
it's not it's not about your worst moment. It's about your consistent giving and loving and sharing and 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 doing what God wants you to do and trying and getting up and and failing and coming back and then doing it again. Isn't that right? So you are not your worst moment. You are not you are not the dumbest thing you ever did. And and I could pray I could parade a whole bunch of dumb stuff on the screen of, that I've done, and so could you. But what what did you see in people's life? Their consistency, overall godliness and loving that they had, and they were an example to you, and they were an example in me. And what did they say to me individually? I can't remember. What did they say with their lives? I tell you what they said. They said, "I love Jesus." I got a little glitch problem here. Oh, my battery's low. I better plug that in or I won't, we won't have any screens here in a second. Perfect timing at least. Where are we? We're right there. They said Jesus is the Lord of my life. Their lives said that God is good. They were consistent in the good things. They focused on trying to be and do right and they minimized the not so good. Right? That's that's all we have. That's the best you got. He won't get you to heaven. That's the great thing. Jesus will get you to heaven. But that life will cause you to be an example and influence people who you won't know that you influenced until you get to heaven. I guarantee it. There's a list of people that you can be that for. And so in Timothy, we go back to our, our passage in verse 15. It says, be diligent and wholly committed to these things. Because people, people are watching. All right? It's not like the, the 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 song that we heard on the radio back in my day, at least. Every move you make, I'll be watching you. It's it's not like that. It's not like that's kind of a creepy song. But uh, you know, everything you do, people are watching. It's like we shouldn't walk around in fear, but we should look at look at it more as an opportunity. And today, <clears throat> with that long introduction, we're going to look at the first thing in the list there in verse 14. Set an example to the believers in your speech we're going to break down this word speech and what it means um jesus says this he says there's a heart mouth connection the the speech the things that come out of our mouth and and speeches we're going to break that down into three elements of speech this morning real quickly but um jesus says there's a heart mouth connection and in matthew chapter 12 he says this make make a tree good and its fruit will be good make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And so Jesus is saying here right off the bat, your fruit, your speech is obvious. It's known to everybody. The things that come out of your mouth, he will say in the next verse, uh, make a difference. Verse 34, you brood of vipers, he's talking to those who, uh, uh, who, well, he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. How can you who are evil say anything good? And he, and he lays down this hard principle out of the abundance of, or overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. So make no mistake, what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. You say, well, I'm not really like that. It just kind of came out. Well, there's part of you that is like that, or it wouldn't come out. Jesus just said that, right? That there's, and, and, and you may not be like that most of the time, and that's great, but let's, we have to guard our heart, and our mouth. There is a great connection there. And we can sometimes make excuses for what comes out of our mouth. I was just kidding. I really didn't mean it. I'm really not like that. Um, But we need to check ourselves against the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, if stuff comes out of our mouth that's not right, then we need to check our heart because there's part of our heart, at least at that moment, that's not right. And we need to make some corrections. Corrections are okay. 
Forgiveness is part of God's plan every day. We need it. So it's not it's a big deal, but it's not that big a deal. We keep making connections and that's how we reach the higher ground. In Mark 7:15 he says this that they they were they were complaining to Jesus, your your disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. It's all this cleanliness ceremonial stuff and he says stuff nothing outside of a man makes him unclean by going in what comes out of a man makes him unclean. And so therefore we have our speech in this broad area and you're not ever going to get it perfect. You're not. I don't think. Not this side of heaven. You maybe you, you ought to get a lot better. I ought to get a lot better. But you're not going to get perfect. James tells us that we all stumble in many ways. If anyone's never at fault in what he says, never at fault in what he says. You probably you probably had your tongue cut out at that point. That's probably the only way that's going to happen. He's perfect. And he can keep his whole body in check. So we find that this is hard. So, so let's break down what speech is, the, the parts of speech. All right, the parts of speech, you know what they are, right? Nouns and verbs and adjectives. And you got to love a good prepositional fa- fa- phrase. And you're all glazing over because that's not really where we're going. The parts of speech are the words we use, the content of our conversation, and the tone that we use. And the Bible speaks to all of those, so we're, 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 we're in a good spot to examine our lives and see what kind of example am I being in my speech. Again, we have more next week. We're going to talk about speech today. Words, content, and tone. As you look back at your spiritual maturity, here's a question for you. Did you find that you have a narrowing, a narrowing vocabulary from the day one when you got saved? Like day one, I got saved. It's like, man, you know, just who I am. And then pretty soon, the Lord begins to convict. And then the amount of words, the type of words you say, become smaller over period. And maybe just not individual words, but certain phrases. And like you say, well, okay. And you begin to do that. And we narrow, naturally narrow our vocabulary when we spend time in God's Word with God's people who have already come to those same conclusions. And so, again, exampling, we are, ex- we are being the example to other people as we narrow our vocabulary to words that honor God. Now, I'm not going to give you a list of words. You know, I'm not going to be pharisaical. And this, here's a list of words you can and can't say. I don't know. You know, there were words that, words that I didn't think were too bad for a while, and then, then somebody else didn't like them. And it's like, I had to make some changes. And so I'm not giving you a list. I'm saying... Dig in the Word, grow toward God, self-correct. God shapes all of our life if we let Him. And I would encourage you to have an E-rated, E-rated vocabulary. E-rated is, is rated for everyone. Uh, the definition of this in video games is infrequent use of mild language, but at least that. Uh, six years old and up, and then there's an early childhood rating, and and it's it it says something to the effect that um, no ma- no material in this in this game would be objectionable to p- any parent. Well, I kind of doubt that. The, you know, the way the way Hollywood's going, the way stuff's going, there may not be any really bad words that we consider the worst of the worst bad words, but there's probably content we would not be happy with, and so we uh, we are up against the world that that is not getting better in this area. Have you noticed it's not really getting better? 
Um, you know, what was R-rated when I was a kid is now like PG, if that, if that. Um, society's not on a slow fade. It's, in, in this area, it's, our, it's already run off the cliff. I grew up with three channels, five if you want to count the two that you could watch snow, and barely make images of people out on the on the thing because you and you had to hold the, the the circular UHF thing at just the right way and you could maybe see people and maybe hear above the you could hear a little bit what they say but we had we had three channels we were spoon fed a protected diet we had edited TV movies they won't even let them do that anymore they'll sue you if you try to edit them edit a movie but now they used to put them edited they cut out words cut out scenes and it was rated E for the most part, or at least more of what we would consider PG, PG-13. But we should strive for the J rating in our lives. Jesus approved. Now, again, I'm not going to give you a list of words or, or phrases, or but the Scriptures does give us some insight into those things. Jesus appro- approved. We have words, contents, and tone. And I'm going to give you, I think it's five. And we're, we're almost, I, I should be about finished now, but I'm not. So... So hang in there, all right? I'm going to give you five scriptural tests, and I'll try to give them to you quick because they're pretty self-explanatory. The first one is the hint, the hint list. It's actually hintless. Have you ever tasted something and go, oh, it has a hint of, and it's just like, oh, it's good. It's a good thing. It's like it has a hint of lemon. Oh, a hint, hint of mint, a hint of chocolate, and that's good stuff. But do you ever eat something that has a hint of something you don't like? You're going, that's good, but, oh, it's got a hint of mayonnaise in there. Oh, I hate mayonnaise or mustard. I hate a lot of stuff. I'm a really picky eater. But the hint, and, and the Bible says there's a hintless test that, 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 that we need to have no hints of this in our life. In Ephesians chapter 5, among you there must not be even a hint. Not even a hint. Not even just a slight flavor in your life. And look at the list. We'll, 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 we'll break them down. Some are words. Some our content, and some are the things that we do. Not be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jesting, which is out of place, but rather replace that with thanksgiving. And so there should not be a hint of any of these things. And we're going to focus on the word obscenity, which is talking about words and things, things that are just obscene to God. Now, Things that are obscene to God may not be obscene to you at first. Thus, that's why we, our vocabularies seem to get smaller as we grow in God. It's like we realize that these are not, uh, the obscenity means shameful. It's not shameful to me, but it's shameful to God. And then I, I begin to think the way that God thinks about it. And then I take on that same understanding. And so, again, the, the, the things that that we may be offended by or think shameful the world celebrates these tv standards have greatly eroded but they're and but sometimes our language is even worse than than what what tv would consider to be good and we need to we need to check ourselves there and there's not supposed to be even a hint of these things and then we move to obscenity and, and foolish talk and coarse joking and we get into comment content here in a little bit uh, and these things seem to be, instead of the criteria to not have in a show, all these things are the things that, quote, make a good show these days. So it doesn't have all that in there. 
Nobody wants to watch it. And we are to be different, my friends. So is your standard higher or lower than primetime TV? That's a, maybe that's a good question for you. Maybe not. And, uh, and it's like they're creating a, a bucket list to break all the Ten Commandments in one movie. And, and, and I think a lot of times they do. So there's, a, there's not a hint of any of these things. And many times we might have way more than a hint in our life. And we need to make some changes. So there's the hintless test and there's a little kid test. Would you say it in front of the little kids? Mark 9:42. If anyone causes the little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And so... You know, we talk one way and the little kids come up, we change our language. Oh, little checklist for you. Be the be the example you need to be. And then 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 there's there's what's what's what I call the whisper words. You got whisper words? You know, man, that's really good. But he's a you know what I mean? It's like they're words that when you say them, you like you have to you have to whisper. <laughs> if you got whisper words, check yourself. I'm not saying they're all wrong. I don't know what your whisper words are, but be careful. Be careful. If you've got to whisper them, they're, they're okay to say low. But you can't say them out loud. Maybe there's a little problem. Ephesians 11 talks about the dark and the things we want to hide have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds that we want to hide in the darkness, but rather let's expose them. Hey, if it's a word worth saying, say it out loud. Say it proud. Say it strong. And when you do, you're probably going to be convicted and go, oh, my whisper words probably don't belong uh, in my vocabulary at all. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just bringing what the Scripture says. Examine it. Examine it. Oh, I missed missed the screen here. Sorry. So words paint pictures, and if we're using words that 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 depict biological processes and byproducts of of life, and intended for marriage activities, and mentioning the unmentionable, then this is going to be offensive and fall. In that, in that realm of, of not pleasing to God. And, of course, in verse 12 it says uh, we should cut those things out. Well, that's not this verse. It's another verse. But it said it up there in a minute ago. You got it. So to recap, recap our pro- we're, we're moving toward progress and not perfection. And look at there. Talk about words. And what comes out there? Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? We already mentioned the, the word, but now let's talk about the content, sexual immorality, talking about greed uh, and obscenity and foolish talk and coarse joking, and all these are in this passage here. It's like those are content areas that we need to pare down and say, oh, we don't really need those, not even a hint of those in our life. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that the Bible mentions, and we're not going to look up Bible verses, but there's lying and using the Lord's name in vain, gossip, slander, glorifying of sin, worrying, complaining, greed, and selfishness, and all those things that come out of our mouth. No wonder James said, if you, can, if you can control your speech, you're perfect in every way. There's so many ways to go wrong. But you don't have to be perfect. But you need to be progressing. And that's what the Lord's teaching. And then, then there's the only test. Only test. You know what the word only means? Only. One thing, nothing else. And in this next passage, See if you can find it. It's hidden, it's hidden in, the, in the passage. See if you can find the word only and how it applies. In Ephesians 4.29 it says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only 
Well, you did find it. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So only the things that help. Wow, you know what? Our words and our speech and our patterns and our things get narrower and narrower as we as we bow to God's word. But he uses that not only to clean up your life, but those are the things that affect people. They scratch their head and they wonder what in the world is up with these people because they're so different. The problem, one of the problems we have today is we're just not that much different. And I hope it's not weird, but I think as Christians in general, we don't see a lot of difference. And then lastly is the tone test. The tone test. It's, I, I went to get my ears checked for, for um, hearing aids, and I decided I don't need them. There were a few tones that I couldn't hear, but I was kind of okay with that. Kim might not be so okay with that. Huh? Repeat that for me. But there's certain tones that come in, and, and there's certain tones that I put off that, that Kim can hear, and, and they're not good tones, right? Like, she knows you got, got that tone. Titus 3, 1 and 2 says, remind the believers, and here's a shortened version. You can look it up. It says some other good things in there, but be gentle and polite to all people. And so we've got to watch our tone. We've got to be gentle and polite. doesn't mean we can't be forceful. doesn't mean we can't, can't, when we've been cheated, we can't try to get it right. But we have to be gentle and polite. And all this comes under the category of speech. And then finally, I, I said that was the last one, but it's not. The last test. Here's another one. It's acceptable to God. We're gonna, we are going to wrap up with this one, I promise. Acceptable to God test. Psalm 1914. We're going to sing it here in just a second. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I can't tell you what words. I can tell you what some of the content, what the, what the Bible says, but I can't draw that list for you, and I can't, I can't draw your lines where, where your speech should be. But if you'll open your heart to God, He will. If you'll ask some people that you look up to spiritually, They'll guide you. They'll help you. And just between you and God, he, he will convict. He, he's very, very good about that. So how you doing? How are we doing? How am I doing? Man, not as good as I thought when I started this sermon. Not quite as good as I thought as when I started this sermon. It's like, oh, oh, I got a little work to do. Am I beating myself up? That's maybe a little bit at first, but it's like, no, no, no. Imperfect people paved the way for me to know God. And as a 22-year-old, when I started my ministry, I young and dumb, and, and you only got to be one step ahead of somebody else to help them out. But you do have to be in proximity of them. And so if you're in God's Word and you're moving toward Him, He's using you. And it's not, it's not I guess i got to be an example. No, it's this. I get to be an example. I get to do for other people what these great people in my life did for me. God's using you. If you're a believer, He's using you. He's growing you. He's making you into what He wants you to be. And so I, I encourage you to lean into that this morning. To let the Lord continue to move you in that direction He wants you to move you. Would you pray with me? We thank you, God, for your good word. 
and how it moves us. And Lord, we thank you for those who've come before us and who have been an example to us. They have helped us to, uh, to know you through their actions and through their uh, kindness and through their example. Lord, we pray in these moments as we say yes to whatever you're saying in our hearts, Lord, that you'll speak to every heart. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.